and welcome to the Mass Bar Beat, the podcast of the Massachusetts Bar Association. I'm Mike Vino. During the NBA's annual dinner, the NBA will present its 2017 Access to Justice Awards to seven attorneys and one law firm, recognizing their exemplary legal skills and service to the community. As part of our series highlighting the 2017 Access to Justice Award winners, on this episode, we're featuring Brian Flint, an attorney with Greater Boston Legal Services, winner of the Legal Services Award. Flint has been an attorney at Greater Boston Legal Services for more than 20 years. An expert in welfare and employment law, he has dedicated his career to advocating for low-income workers with disabilities and recipients of public benefits. During his time at GBLS, Flint has been a staff attorney in the Benefits Unit, a senior attorney in both the Welfare and Employment Law Units, and is currently managing attorney of the Asian Outreach Employment Law Unit. We spoke to Flint about how he first got involved in legal services, specifically handling welfare and employment law at GBLS. Well, I went originally I went to law school with the idea that I either wanted to be a legal services attorney or a union side labor law attorney. And during my time in law school, I had met even more legal services folks, and I had decided that's really what I wanted to do. Um, I was actually particularly interested in welfare, partly because of where I grew up, a lot of people were in welfare, and I sort of realized in some ways how stigmatized they were unfairly, so I had particular interest in it. And I did that for a number of years. I moved over to employment in part just for a change. I'd been doing the same thing for so many years, but also seeing that for a lot of um, welfare recipients, uh, contrary to a lot of the public perceptions, I mean, most people, most women in welfare, in fact, do, in fact, have work histories and they cycle in and out of like low-wage labor into welfare. And so I was was also interested in employment law. And so I switched over to employment law. At this point, I forget exactly. I think now it must be eight, nine years ago. But I've basically been at GBLS um, since, since law school. How long have you been practicing? Um, I graduated in 1993, and I started at um, in October of two of '93. Um, I got a temporary job at the Cambridge and Some of the Legal Services that turned into a permanent job, and then Cambridge and Some of the Legal Services became um, part of Greater Boston Legal Services after the huge um, cuts um, under Gingrich. Um, Congress, when there was a lot of restrictions placed on legal services, there's a lot, I mean, not just in Massachusetts, but a lot of reorganizing around legal services, um, and so I basically came over to GBLS. So working within those, those areas of welfare and employment law, what are some of the kind of unique challenges that those areas those areas of the law present? It's a good question. Um, and I would say this. There's some overlap and there's some differences. I would say in the context of welfare, one of the unique challenges is just sort of the misconceptions of a lot of people have regarding sort of people on welfare, sort of stereotypes that actually have, I think, histories based racially based as well as gender based and that 
I mean, it basically goes back to a very old distinction between deserving poor and not undeserving poor, and welfare recipients have always been placed on the former category of the undeserving poor. Um, it's very hard to get political support for that type of work. The employment work, I think, has a little less of that stigma because people think people are working. That's sort of seen in the sort of like deserving poor category. Um, one of the issues, I think, particularly today that's extremely challenging is um, the issue around immigration and work. I mean, uh, undocumented workers and sort of the severe exploitation they actually face and um, luckily not as dramatically in Massachusetts right now, but um, certainly nationally, the climate for immigrants is just outrageous in my opinion and essentially based on a lot of false information. What we've seen recently in the sort of like the wage and hour work that we do here um, is a real fear for immigrant workers to step forward to assert their rights because of uh, legitimate concerns of whether or not if they basically um, enforce their rights, whether or not that will basically call upon retaliation from immigration authorities, whether uh, like the employer often threatens that if you basically make complaints in an area where I don't practice, but there's been a lot of concerns is like people who do family law and domestic violence. There's been reports of um, immigrant women not even seeking sort of like basic safety protections because out of fear. One of my colleagues in the housing unit has noticed, a, he's actually a person who's in employment and housing at this joint fellowship, and he was saying that at some of these tenant meetings, one of the things people are noticing is a lot of immigrant people in housing are have been received threats from landlords. Okay, if you make any complaints, we're going to actually call ICE on you. So this sort of climate of anti-immigrant, sort of heightened anti-immigrant attitudes under the Trump administration is quite frightening for our clients and actually raises some questions of how we basically, how we design our practice going forward. Why is it important to have well-trained attorneys in, uh, in welfare and unemployment law where people are, you know, seeking counsel to get access to everyday benefits that they might not, you know, necessarily, necessarily sure. I mean, again, get on their own. I mean, there's a couple of, like, I guess ways of approaching this. One of the most basic level is kind of an access to justice position that that poor people, including immigrants, whether documented or not, should have the same ability to enforce the rights that they have under the law as other people. And it's just, I mean, one of the things I, why I've stayed in legal services all the, all these years and why I'm particularly appreciative of Greater Boston Legal Services where they really do encourage people to make a career out of it, not just basically it's not a place that you practice for a couple of years and move on. Uh, that's not the model here, although obviously some people do that. Um, but that it's really critical that we have people who are sort of experts in the field in which they're practicing, um, committed to basically fully asserting all rights on behalf of our clients, and um, I mean, 
I think part of our job is to fight back um, the political climate that um, in some of the misperceptions about the reality of our clients' lives. Flynn has been recognized for his unique ability not only to resolve cases for individual clients, but to also identify and resolve systemic problems in the delivery of welfare and unemployment benefits. One of the problems with legal services, one of the problems, I mean, and actually we have to thank the Bar Association for always fighting to get more funding, but the reality is, is that the vast majority of people who might be eligible for our services aren't we're not able to sort of um, serve. And part of my concern as a legal services lawyer has always been we do like community outreach. We have an intake system that we've always are working on improving. But there's always this fear, and I think it's a well-grounded fear, is perhaps that means the people who don't get to us are the people who might be the most vulnerable, the most disenfranchised, and not connected with community organizations, they're not connected with health centers. So that's a sort of background way of one of the things I've always strongly believed that because of that, if we're doing if I'm doing this work, we have an obligation to look at every case with the knowledge that there might be five or ten other people or more with a similar problem who we're not going to see. And so I feel strongly that is why it's very important to do as much systemic advocacy based upon individual cases, be that policy or administrative or legislative advocacy, class action litigation, but to look at every case as a possibility to basically improve things for similarly situated people, whether we have the opportunity to see them, whether we see them or not. I actually think one of my strengths as a lawyer, I've actually been pretty good at that, really being good at identifying systemic problems in like the welfare context and the employment. I would say as a lawyer, that's my strongest strength. You don't go into legal services without the salary. I mean, it's not, we're not paid huge salaries by any means, but I've never in all my years of, of doing this have ever regretted having made this choice to um, work in legal services, working with the clients, working with community-based organizations that we work with in in my mind, it's just a real privilege and an honor to do this work. Um, it really is inspiring to see how people with far less resources than most of us ex could imagine living on to basically live their lives with dignity, fight for their rights, and um, to be part of that type of movement is incredibly important to me and very rewarding. The other thing I would say is that at Greater Boston Legal Services, it's been just an honor to have some of the colleagues I've worked with. I mean, the people who work here are some of the best lawyers and non-lawyer advocates, paralegals and staff that I could imagine working with. 
in different in every different sort of substantive unit there's people who i think who i just have incredible respect for the quality of their work their commitment We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Mass Bar Beat, and we invite you to listen to the other episodes in our Access to Justice Award series to hear more inspiring stories from the 2017 honorees. On behalf of the Massachusetts Bar Association, I'm Mike Vigneault. Thank you for listening.